and a massive hi from me, I'm Ray Mack. And I'm Yorma Kirko. Welcome to Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast. Welcome to all of our listeners in 41 countries. We are down and back in our local juicer. Also our sponsor, James Joyce, Irish Pub, Istanbul. Today's show is fuller than Imelda Marcos's shoe cupboard. Finding out how to discipline wayward cows and bulging with ginger pride, our resident psychiatologist tests how ginger Ray Mac really is. Plus all our favorite segments. And Mr. Pantomime, that's Dr. Tom Godfrey, who established the very first pantomime in Istanbul 30 years ago. Cheers, Yorma. Cheers, Ray, and Maisha Marifu to all our listeners in Kenya. Much appreciated, guys. Warning, the following sketch contains flash photography. Viewers may wish to cancel their television license or BBC poll tax as a result. Come to Prattle and Cards Bovine Correctional Solutions Warehouse. You'll be utterly shocked at our prices. Handheld cow prods, just $54.99. Meet your cows, move with quick voltage, low current electric shocks. Holy cow! Call us on 555-01112 for a free consultation demonstration. Bulls have the steers in the stupid cow next door. Hoop it down to Brandon Card for all your cattle prod needs. Yorma's lost in translation. I am sorry, my friend, but I do not know what the hell you are talking about. This month's lost in translation, we have a message from David in Maryland, USA. And he tells a story that when he was living in Japan about 20 years ago, um, he invited a nice, polite Japanese couple to stay at his place um, in Tokyo. And they came along and brought the husband's friend with them too. Now, these were people that he had met before, or two of them he'd met before in the States. And it was just nice to meet up with them in a different environment. So they came into his house and Dave urged the guy and his brother to sit down to relax and, you know, take the load off their their elbows and um (laughs) he gestured to the wife used a nice polite phrase that he'd heard people using in the shops and he said to her um, makori dozo which i hope is how you pronounce it and as i said this was something that he'd heard lots of times in the shops and he was met with this look of confusion and even consternation and he didn't really understand what this was about but apparently he'd got the phrase slightly wrong and what he should have actually said instead of makori dozo was go yukuri dozo and he hadn't heard it correctly this happens all the time but the phrase that he did actually use, Mokori Dozo, whilst pointing towards the woman, was a little unfortunate, really, because it actually meant words to the effect of, please help yourself to ladies' private parts. Oh, Sweet. God. His friend, his friend had to explain it to him later. And unfortunately, he didn't know any of those words, whether biological or rude for those things, and had to gesture what it was. And I can only imagine what those gestures must have been. Okay, good story, Dave. Thank you very much. Shakers, if you have similar stories to this, anything embarrassing that's happened to you when you've been trying your very best in a foreign country and it's just gone wrong, please let us know. Yeah. Dirty old man. Yeah.
Greetings from London, UK. I'm Siobhan, and I'm a super fan of the Black Milkshake podcast. I listen every month to the crack with the lads, Ray and Yorma. It's a slice of home away from home. The following interview is brought to you by Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast. Tom set up Speech Bubbles around 30 years ago. It's a performing arts school, uh, which also does a lot of work to support charity and provides Istanbul's only annual pantomime. Tom Godfrey, welcome to the show. That's a, a long, long time that, that you've been in Istanbul. Did you uh, did you plan it that way? Well, I've lived in Istanbul since 1985. I studied drama at university and that, I kind of wanted to be an actor or director. That was my mm. dream. But I fell into English language teaching. And then, I yeah, I, I jumped around Libya, Egypt, Sudan, Qatar. And I was only short-term contracts. And I was getting a bit frustrated. Came to Istanbul and kind of fell in love with the place, really. The dynamism lots of things going on they decided okay I'll, I'll stay here now I don't want to move on but I've always kept that interest and I've tried to um, do a lot of theatre um, and we set up a, a group in Istanbul called Speech Bubbles. Speech Bubbles started as a group of people teachers primarily who were interested in doing a musical and went around schools we would use drama to help kids learn English we went around touring going to schools and doing things in English and, and getting the kids to do little tasks and activities Mm -hmm. but it was too time consuming it was the logistics were difficult so we thought okay let's just do a musical because quite a few of the group were interested in dance and choreography and music Mm -hmm. so we did um greece was our first one this is going back about 30 years at least um and then gradually it's a constant evolving thing i mean people leave and then new people come and there's always somebody who's very talented who can step in and say oh i can be musical director or it's great i mean we've had mm-hmm. some fantastic people involved in the group who are really professional i mean they are music teachers or, or singing teachers and some of the people who have been in the group have then on gone on to do theater professionally so yeah it's had a long history mm-hmm. and we've tried to do a musical each year and the aim is to raise money the aim is to have a really good time and enjoy ourselves i mean that's why most people do it but mm-hmm. the secondary aim is to raise money for charity as, as well and we'll hear more from Tom after this short little interlude of nonsense. You're breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. Oh, honey, if I get restless. Oh, well, you're not that kind. And in this month's show, Honzi, South Africa's famous mystic and agony uncle, returns and he's answering your letters and trying to give you practical solutions to those personal problems that sometimes you need just a little helping hand with. And we've got a letter from Aoife in Waterford who writes, Dear Honzi, I'm noticing a lot of changes in the guy I'm seeing. He's 25, I'm 24. He used to text me first thing in the morning and last thing at night, 24-7. But this came to an abrupt halt the day we moved in together, and I also think he might be harbouring erotic fantasies about my auntie, although I have no proof and he hasn't met her yet. We've lived together for two months and the sex is fantastic, but how can I make him pay me more attention in the SMS department? Efer from Waterford. Dear Eva, thank you for your letter. It seems that you have three problems in one, but can probably be easily rectified. 
I'm a bit confused about this text business, but he's probably run out of credit or just can't be asked. I don't wish to talk about your auntie because I've not been trying to deal with insects. On the other hand, you want him to pay more attention in the S&M department? Why not start slowly with some Japanese ropes and a little bit of light spanking? I know a Syrian guy who can get you the ropes. And we've just had a letter from Billy, formerly of Cambridge, now of Wales, who writes, Dear Honzi, my younger brother and I just cannot see eye to eye. I'm 40, he's 37. We both lost our mother when we were young, and he never knew his real father. We come from quite a wealthy family, and his wife, who's a bit of a scrubber, seemed to want to get her hands on all the family loot from day one. She made him move to a hot part of America that does nothing for his ginger complexion. His wife is from a different ethnic group, so when they had children, I was initially relieved to learn that the children wouldn't be ginger, and thought that we could rebuild our bond until his butler openly called my chief ostler a cunt last week. How can I make him see? Billy, formerly of Cambridge, now Wales. Dear Billy, your story reminds me of something I read about recently in the newspapers. There was once a famous rock band from Manchester fronted by two feuding brothers. In fact, until you mentioned that your brother was a Roy Neck, I thought you were talking about the old singer in Oasis. Maybe you are, and just trying to be subtle, Billy. What I would do in your position is tell your Russell to go hustle somewhere else and avoid that butler. Then I would consider breaking up the band and going solo because you wrote all the songs anyway. Maybe when he realizes his shit without you, he and his wife will come groveling back cap in hand for a reunion tour. And back over to Tom. I, I've spoken to people from all over the world about the concept of, of pantomime. And they usually know the word pantomime, but have it for what we would call mime. So when you talk about a Christmas pantomime, they normally yeah. think it's a mime show, in fact, whereas it's something more... Yeah, and it's unique, I think. It's family show. It's on two different levels, really. Yeah, so children can come along, quite young children, but also adults and parents. You're entertaining the little children and you're doing things that, you know, that is getting them excited. And then there's something that goes above their heads as well. Yeah. And there's kind of elements of children's humour in it and adult humour as well. For mum and dad, really, isn't it? Yeah. And a lot of visual comedy. And the fantastic thing about it is it's kind of all cross-gender long before that became popular. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this year's performance? We're doing Treasure Island. So we need a lot of pirates and they're, they're all going to be female. Right. Um, we need Long John Silver, who will also be a female. And we do have one male actor and he will have to play the female, the Dane, which is a traditional pantomime character that kind of drives all the humour and, um, yeah, it's this big man who's playing a woman. And that, I mean, it's not a feminine character it's a very it's a female character but it's uh -huh. a very masculine energetic over the top lots of costumes and interacts with the audience kind of a yeah. typical comedian uh -huh. Uh -huh. and also the characters are recognizable whatever the story is they all kind of repeat themselves yeah i, I always used to like playing the uh, baddie uh -huh. whether it was you know the wicked witch or the i, I think that's the most fun character to play really yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's funny because the audience love to hate you, don't they? Uh, mm -hmm. And you can love to hate them as well. Oh, yeah. shut up, you horrible little children. And they go, ooh, they get really... <laughs> I mean, the challenge that we've got is our audience is primarily non-British or Irish. I mean, they, they will know the story because they're all popular stories. Cinderella, Snow White, what have you. So we have to do make it very visual. 
um, and have lots of songs and physical action. And now for something completely different. Celebrity, true or false? You can't handle the truth. Jimster, you have a lovely boy performance on the true or false stage over the past few months. Have. <laughs> and if you keep up the good skills and answer today's questions all correctly, you will be rewarded with a big, shiny sixpence. Oh, God, there, that's exciting, isn't it? To spin, don't spend to your, it all at once. <laughs> to spin to your heart's content in your favourite alehouse to partake and engage in an evening of ribaldry and charnel house banter, pal. True. <laughs> are you ready to start, Jimster? Sorry, I can't resist that. Yep, ready when you are, boss. <laughs> okay. All Tom Cruise's wives were age 33 when they divorced him. True or false? Oh, God. Uh, I'm trying to think who his wives. He was married to Nicole Kidman. He was married to, she called Penelope Cruz, but spelt differently. Uh, I don't know if there was another one or not, because I don't really have a clue, but... I think that Nicole Kidman was older than that. So I'm going to go for false. <laughs> it's true. True, is it? <laughs> Jimster, that there 33 thing is a pure crazy coincidence. Isn't it? They, yeah, they were all 33 years old at the time of the split. Or was it really down to cruise control? No pun <laughs> intended. <laughs> Well, to be honest, good for them, really, because it means at 33, they've still got the youth and they've still got the health and they're free of that free of that person. All right, fine. Next. No problem. No problem. No, no, no. Uh, You uh, you were saying earlier on, Jimmy, uh, Mimi Rogers, Nicole Kidman, Katie Holmes, his 33 exes, by the way. 33 exes did he have, right? What about that (laughs) Penelope Cruz one? There was no Penelope Cruz there at all. You're you're having a laugh. Are you sure? I thought he married I'm her. Po- I'm absolutely positive. Kathy Holmes, Nicole never Kidman, heard. and Mimi Rogers. No Two of them I've never heard of them. No relation to Buck. Okay. <laughs> and a bit of useless information, actually, by the way. Before Robert Downey Jr. was cast as Tony Stark Iron Man, it was offered to Tom Cruise first, but he declined the role. True. Yeah. Enough of Tom Cruise. I need it's a good, good strong cocktail, Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, could tell you uh, question number two. two. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, <laughs> go away from around me. Dennis Hopper and uh, Michelle Phillips were wed in 1970. Their marriage lasted eight days, Jimster. Uh, again, this is um, territory that I'm not comfortable in. I don't have a clue. Uh, I'm going to go for true because it just sounds so weird. Actually, a good guess. <laughs> it's it's better than seven days in theory, theoretically yeah, speaking. Wouldn't you agree, Yorma? Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. That wasn't a that wasn't a marriage. That was a feckin' retreat, pal. Yeah, I know exactly. It's not even a decent holiday, is it? <laughs> it's not a decent holiday. Mm. To make a short story long, he was born to be wild. No pun intended. Hopper has some list of flicks around his belt. Fair play to him. Easy Rider, Apocalypse Now, Blue Velvet, True Romance, Giant Colors, Cool Hand Luke, Hang Him High. Hmm. That's not a bad selection, is it, really? Question three, Jimster. Mm-hmm. Back in the 80s, page three meant mm-hmm. boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Simple as that. Is that is that the question? Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, growing up in the 1980s, there is no way that I could not have been aware of what was on page three um, of the Star and the Sun every day. The Mirror was a bit more up market for that. I used to. I used to quite. Even then, I found that quite amusing because, you know, you'd have these very attractive topless girls in there who would be apparently expressing their opinions on the European Monetary Fund or something like that, or the miners' strike. And you knew full Mm -hmm. well that they hadn't been asked about that at all, but it sort of made it seem like it was to do with news. Um, They don't do that anymore, Ray, you know? Uh Uh-huh. I'll give you a bit of information, pal. Samantha Fox had two massive hits back in the 80s. She did. (laughs) <laughs> Touch me, <laughs> uh, nothing's going to stop me now. Uh-huh. Other other firm favorites back in the eighties: Linda Lusardi. I Marie saw Linda Lusardi once at Heathrow you Airport. At Heathrow Did Airport, you, see her? you saw all of her. She was fully clothed, but she was she was quite ladylike actually. Linda Lusardi, I, I thought she was very nice. She was in Emmerdale afterwards. Really, Catty mm. mm. Lloyd, Suzanne Mizzy, yeah. I can picture all of these women. <laughs> <laughs> a campaign called No More Page 3 was started in 2012, which was kicked off by author Lucianne Holmes, who accused the practice of being sexist and outdated. And all the Page 3 shenanigans, tomfoolery, went bust and came to an end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose they did go bust, didn't they? So Lucianne Holmes, was she the one who was married to Tom Cruise then? How would you ever fight me? (laughs) (laughs) Question number four. Question number four. Lines will mate up to 20 times a day when the female is receptive to mating. True or false? So obviously we're talking about a male lion. I would imagine it would be too traumatic for a female lion uh, to do that 20 times a day, 20 times a day. Well, they spend most of the time sleeping, the males especially. Um, I think they'll do it a lot, but I don't think 20. You said, but you said up to 20. So that could also include seven or eight, couldn't it? So if you say up to, it could mean seven or three. So I'll go for true because it has to be once is up to 20 as well. (laughs) (laughs) False. What did they do it 21 times? Pin back your earlugs and listen. When a lioness is receptive, to mating, the female and the male generally mate over 20 to 30 for a total of up to 50 copulations per day. Really? I'm not lying. Well, <laughs> I'm roaring. <laughs> Buckled even. Wow. I had Fair no play idea. to them. Exactly. Fair play to them. Fair exactly. play to them. They My take goodness. pride. They take pride in their population <laughs> business. <laughs> the main man. <laughs> good skills, good oh. skills. So what did I get? Two out of four. Two out of four. That's okay. No shiny sixpence. That's okay. I'll, I'll happily are... settle for the threepence. Hackett Technologies is proud to present the Licky End Chronicles. I believe in Licky End. Licky End has made my family. I raised my son in the Licky fashion. He joined the young farmers, rode horses and read the Daily Mail. And he, he found a girlfriend, not a Licky Ender. And she introduced him to her friends. And they made him vote remain. 
and eat a plant-based diet. <laughs> it's all right. Normal. Have a little whiskey. <laughs> I went to the police like a good Lickyendo. <laughs> and those, those girls were arrested. They moved to Belgium to evade justice. Just before the Brexit agreement went through. But why did you go to the police and not me? We've known each other many years, and this is the first time you come to me. I can't remember the last time you gave me a scotch egg from your store. But let's be frank here. You never wanted my friendship. You were afraid to pay my debt. I didn't want to get in trouble. I understand. I ask you for justice. Good. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll make him Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. But someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do me a service as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Capisce? Grazie, Godfather. Let's go back to Tom Godfrey. It's a big part of Christmas, isn't it? I mean, we have a lot of people all over the world who might not be uh, aware of this, but can you just tell us how it fits into to Christmas? I think for children, I mean, going to the pantomime is one of the many elements of the mystery of Christmas. And, the you know, the Father Christmas, the reindeer, the presents, the stockings, the Christmas tree, the whole kind of mystery and uh, that goes with it. And it's a very kind of exciting time for children it's different when you're abroad, particularly in somewhere like Istanbul, which is a non-Christian. I mean, it's not a it's not a holiday here. I mean, New Year is a holiday, but Christmas is not recognised. A lot of the British and Irish kids, um, you know, this this is an element of home, if you like, and coming to a pantomime is something that's quite exciting. There used actually in Istanbul, there used to be quite a lot of other things related to Christmas. There was a carol show and Christmas trees. There's, st- there's a lot of decorations, but I think they're more kind of New Year celebration rather than Yeah, they, they do say such. they are New Year, but they look surprisingly similar to our Christmas things, don't they? As well, the, the New Year Christmas man. trees and snowballs and snowmen, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Now, I think one of the, the things that, that I like about pantomime is the uh, the audience participation and a couple of Year, it would have been the year before lockdown. I went to a pantomime at the Adam Smith Theatre in Kirkcaldy. It's quite a big auditorium. It was one of those things that the dame asked uh, to put your hands up if. And I thought to myself, well, if I don't put my hands up, they might pick me. And if I pick, put my hand up too high, they might pick me. So I thought I'd go for something very, very, very middle of the road. And lo and behold... I got picked and I had to go up on the stage and had to help make custard pies and then put them in people's faces and do a dance and things like that. And I didn't realize until um, afterwards, I mean, I was on the stage for about five excruciating minutes, you know, with all the adults laughing and all the children screaming and pointing. And what I didn't realize, it was the seat that I'd chosen. I was in seat 1A. Mm. And every Mm. single year at that theater, person who's sitting in 
in 1A because it makes sense because it means that they're not interrupting people to go out and they can go around the theatre and, and back in again. And we'll be talking more pantomime with Tom just after this. G'day, possums. This is Dame Midna Everett speaking from Wagga Wagga in Australia. I love to follow Ray and Yorma on Facebook. Don't worry about punctuation and capital letters. Just type Black Milkshake the Pubcast, darlings, without writing the darlings. By the way, please tell a friend to listen on Spotify and Apple. Follow the boys, darlings. Your podcast needs you. Bye, possums. Just out of curiosity, Jinter, have you ever been to Australia and what was it like? Because I don't think it's all Crocodile Mick Dundee, or, or is it? Um, a good question, actually. I, I've been there a couple of times. I went once about 20 years ago, and I went about five years ago. Love Australia. It's absolutely nothing like that at all. Um, it really, really feels like a slice of home. It's very unusual. But do you know the thing that I really like best no, you, about Australia? What I love about Australia is the way that they do daytime television. Good morning. This morning on Good Morning with me, Logan Bogan. We'll be discussing a medical complaint that, frankly, is a bit of a pain in the backside. Let's face it, having an itchy bum or anus is not only uncomfortable, but can also be hugely embarrassing. What could be more excruciating than having to shake hands with the Prime Minister of Japan when you've just experienced that sudden hot sweat? The chafing cheeks and you know a full-on ringling is on its way. You know that the only solution is jumping thumb first into the bear pit for a quick rectal readjustment. But will the Tokyo leader be able to pick up the unmistakable sense of dietary decay after the handshake? Nightmare. Now, you might be relieved to know, embarrassing anal itching is not only a concern for Governor-Generals of Australia or that lady who wrote the Harry Potter books. It can happen to anyone, and thankfully there are several home remedies out there. Let's go over to our UK consumer expert, Josh Guttersby, live in Staines. Uh, hi there, uh, this is uh, Josh from Staines. Uh, you know, as a person who gets uh, quite a lot of anal itches, you know, it just uh, seems to strike when you least suspect it. Uh, you know, when when you're in Tesco, in the freezer section uh, particularly. Um, so, so why do you think it happens in Tesco, Josh? I mean, don't you have Aldi over there? Well, I don't know why. Every time it just strikes there. Uh, I don't know. Is there, is there something in the air? Uh, What's well, like uh, like a, a, part, a high pollen count, but it's uh, concentrated on your uh, nether regions. Uh, you know. And what actions have you taken to control, if if not prevent these anal itches, Josh? Uh, I mean, I've written to them several times, but uh, they've yet to uh, get back to me in relation to that matter. Um, sure, mate. But aren't there any products available on the market over there? What I have found uh, to be the most promising solution for me uh, that, that has worked uh, quite well, actually, uh, is uh, 
period pants uh, for women uh, actually uh, even though it's uh, it's not really marketed towards someone like myself but what i found is uh, it, it's actually quite simple you know uh, so what kind of effect does it have on the old brown freckle, if you don't mind me asking? It, it, it has this uh, rather absorbent uh, texture. It's like magic, really. But uh, what I do is I put some ice cubes down my jocks or my period pants. I also wear jocks outside them. You know, you never know <laughs> if the ladies are watching. Uh, uh, you know, just have the double protection there. And I, I, I shove them down there, and it really takes care of the itch itself. And it's very soothing, uh, really. And, and when the cool water melts and leaks down my back passage... And I don't really have to go back there. And Josh, is this something you think of as a solo struggle or...? You know, at the moment, I don't have a partner to assist me in that area. Um, well, I'm sure they'd, they'd love to go down there. Uh, well, some days maybe not so much. Uh, well, I won't say too much more on, on that topic uh, but uh, thank you for Thanks a lot, England. Josh Guttersby in Staines, England. Tomorrow morning on Good Morning Australia, we're going to be talking to a woman who married a big dog. That element of audience participation, is that something that, um, that goes down well with an international audience? Yes, um, particularly the, the kind of the, um, the baddie, the bad character... Um, getting booed and hissed. And also when some of the characters instigate this, um, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna find the map. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, you aren't. That, that, um, kind of little dialogue with the audience. And the other thing is, um, very often there's a, a sort of like a song that is interactive with the audience as well. 12 Days of Christmas is quite a popular song to do in the pantomime with different right. items. We, uh, you know, we've adapted that to Istanbul setting. So, yeah. you know, instead of getting two calling birds, you get two bottles of racker or, or, or what have you. <laughs> um, and then again, this year, we've tried to adapt it contemporary. Yeah, so, it, yeah, we've got things like, um, you know, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a positive PCR test. Yeah. Tom will be back later in the show. Welcome to Ginger Corner. Ginger Corner welcomes you. Welcome to Ginger Corner. Ginger Corner welcomes you. Well, you could play it all again because I like it. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Mary, mother of God, you're having a laugh, Jimster. I've been chuckling to myself. You are really. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, on to serious matters. Boris Becker, Leonardo da Vinci, Chucky off Child's Play, Ray Mack, King Henry VIII of England, Winston Churchill and Axel Rose may not seem to have too much in common from the outset, but apart from the fact that none of them has ever written a children's book, they all share the fact that they were born on that fascinating continuum between Strawberry Blonde and Auburn. Now, gingers have been recorded in history since ancient Egyptian times, but thanks to the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology in Beltsville, Maryland, we've been given some questions to ask the podcast's own Ray Mack that will help us dispel the unfair myths and stereotypes and get to know our hot-headed, sunburned, oversexed, frequently stung by bees carrot top friends and their culture a little bit better, and to see if Ray is a true red or does he bottle it. <laughs> Are you ready, Ray? I'm ever ready. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Okay, so multiple choice for the first one, Ray, seeing how well you understand ginger culture. Which city in the world has the highest proportion of gingers? Is it Dublin, Edinburgh, Cork or Karachi? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to actually go for outside Ireland and outside Karachi. I'm going to go for Edinburgh. You're right. You're absolutely right. Edinburgh has more gingers than anywhere else in the world. Yep. Okay. Um, Very good. You're doing doing well so far. Okay. I'm I'm pleased with you. Okay. What does the phrase mean if somebody says to you that the carpet doesn't match the curtains? (laughs) Carpets? Doesn't match match. the curtains. I have no idea. You don't know what that means? You don't know what that means. The the carpet doesn't match the curtain. The carpet is down below, isn't it? The curtains are... Well, it means that uh, that you're not all there. Mm, it's, 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 this is a ginger-related issue. I've never heard that before. Seriously. Carpet doesn't match the curtains. What it means is that the curtains are up top, what you see, and the carpet down below, and they might not be the same colour. Wow. You know what I mean there? I know what you mean, pal. <laughs> you're, still having a, you're still having a laugh here. Yeah. So, I mean, for example, you... On a ginger expense. No, I don't know about that. It's it's just (laughs) quite a well-known phrase. The Americans say uh, the drapes don't match the carpet, the Americans say. Mm. Yeah, it could be that you've got, you know, one of those people... I got mixed up there, yeah, possibly. Dyes the hair (laughs) to make it look red, and downstairs you find out the truth. Or it could be one of those dark-haired individuals with almost invisible eyebrows that it's going to be the other way around. Anyway... Question number three, we've got ooh, we've got one out of two so far. Question three, redheads are thought to have a higher pain tolerance than normal people. True or false? True. That is true. That is true. Um, they always say things like injections don't hurt as much. I don't know if we, I, I don't know how could you compare it to anyone else. You've never been anyone else, have you? Um, but yeah, they do say that uh, people with red hair don't feel pain or get sick as often. I've absolutely no idea why. Uh, question number four, what is the official word for discrimination against gingers? It's a good question, actually. It's not that difficult, really. Uh... So what is the official word for discrimination against gingers? Gingerism. Absolutely. Absolutely. This word has actually been recorded, as has ginger pride. Now, question five. During the Spanish Inquisition, redheads were routinely persecuted as red hair was associated with being Jewish. So the Spanish Inquisition, when the Catholic Church was 
trying to rid Spain of Jews and Muslims to make the country completely Christian again. Redheads were persecuted routinely as red hair was associated with being Jewish. Do you think this is true or false? I think that is a lord of B-O-L-L-I-X. Unfortunately, it is true. Um, this was this was a thing in much of the Middle Ages. Mary Magdalene was often uh, depicted with red hair, and so was Judas Iscariot, because the Church of the time did associate Jews with red hair, and that was to imply that they weren't um, good quality Christians. You learn something new every day. You do indeed, don't you? Just I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of ginger research, you know, for this this section. Um, <laughs> well, I can I can certainly see that. <laughs> I, I mean, when, when I say I've done the research, <laughs> I mean the Dr. Brutus Himmler Institute have sent me a lot of interesting research. Okay, number six. Um, ginger people usually support the death penalty for serious crimes like treason or being rude to a postman. True or false? That's definitely false. You think that's false? I think you're right there because there is actually no evidence. There is no evidence that that is true. Probably comes down to things on an individual basis, doesn't it? Which of the following famous redheads is not a natural redhead? Tom Cruise's ex-wife, divorced at 33, Nicole Kidman, uh, former Spice Girl, Jerry Halliwell, <laughs> or Lucille Ball, the first American sitcom star? Okay, now that's a good question. And I don't want to make a mess of this. So let's go. Definitely, I'm going Lucille Ball is an original ginger redhead i'm thinking nicole kidman definitely i'm saying jerry hall uh hallowell from the spice girls even though she was called ginger spice i think she dyed her hair jerry hallowell if you uh, stop all your lifelines the other two are originals yeah jerry hallowell okay final answer um jerry Jerry hallowell is is not jerry hallowell is indeed not uh, a natural redhead she is naturally a brunette but neither are the other two uh, Nicole Kidman, blonde, and I Which believe oh, that's that's very true. That's very true. They made a career from being redheaded, uh, but none of them were. So this is very much a case of the carpet not matching the curtains. Um, okay, final question. Let's see how we're getting on because you're probably not as ginger as you were thinking that you were. You know, um, on August the twenty, <laughs> this is a history question now. Okay, on August the twenty fourth, eighteen fourteen, ginger activists set fire to the White House in Washington, D.C., and only a very heavy storm prevented the whole city from being burned down. Is this true or false? I'm, I'm going to go definitely. They're, they're always up to no good. It's true. You think that's true? Okay. Yeah. I, you're going to tell me it's false. I know you are. <laughs> Unfortunately, on August the 24th, 1814, it wasn't ginger activists, but it was actually Canadians. Unfortunately, yeah, it was Canadians who burned down the White House, and it was only a storm uh, which prevented the whole of the U.S., what's now the U.S. capitals, and was then the U.S. capital city from burning down. So gingers are completely innocent in that area. And that concludes Ginger Corner. Now, let's just see, how did we go on with these eight questions? Okay, so we got four. Ray, Ray, is this done? Yeah. I'm a little bit shocked myself, seriously. I, I think you should be. I think you should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's maybe not, it's, it's it's all that factor 500 sunscreen I'm uh, wearing. Well, it could be. It might have, might, yeah, well, you, you, you wear it. You're supposed to wear it, though, not drink it. That's the, 
<laughs> exactly. But uh, I, I never told you this. Nivea launched a uh, factor five hundred sunscreen for gingers, That's and someone one. told, yeah, someone told me down in the local juicer, uh, just it was just for summer. He said it's just for winter time. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> some people are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm putting you on my list of enemies. There, you're in for it now. Only joking. And back over to Tom. What does it actually mean to you to put on these performances and to create so much joy? Relief is one feeling, but also huge sense of achievement that you've created something um, and you've produced it and you've got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And then it's over and you think, what am I going to do with the rest mm. of my life? You know, how do, <laughs> where do I go from here? But it is a, a thrilling thing to put to create something and yeah. produce it and share it with an audience if any any of our listeners in istanbul want to come and see you or maybe if some of our listeners overseas are in istanbul how would they get tickets they would need to go to our website which is www.speechbubbles s-p-w-c-h bubbles as in bath bubbles dot org not dot com and they can reserve tickets on the website Excellent. and then they can come along with a reservation and then we'll give them the ticket at the door and it will be early december for the weekend of the 4th and the um, 14th of december tom godfrey it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today um thanks for telling us about the pantomime and speech bubbles hope to speak to you soon yeah thanks very much You're James. Welcome. it's been a, it's been a great pleasure it's got welcome. me looking forward to christmas it's Ray's Happy Hour. It's Ray's Happy Hour. It's Ray's Happy Hour. Shakers, what makes you happy? Deliriously happy. Gorgeously happy. Jimster, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think it's been a really, really good month, actually. I mean, uh, many of you listening will know this, but we've uh, we've had a little bit of attention in the media, haven't we? We've been in the newspaper a couple of times, three times maybe. I think we've been on the radio twice talking about our show, mm-hmm. and that's been great. And last week as well, um, I was I was in Scotland for the week, getting some jobs done. But that was really nice, really good to be back home and also really good to be back eating food that's not quite so heavy and cholesterol laden and irritably bowel syndromed. And what mm. about yourself, Ray? It's been 15 years since I visited Top Copy Palace. Have you visited it ever, Jimmy? I've never been there. I've not done any tourist things in Istanbul at all. Well, aren't you the great lad? Yep. <laughs> anyway, go on. Tell I took us my son along. I hadn't been there for 15 years. For, I'm going to tell you about it. For over 400 years, great rulers of the Ottoman <laughs> were employed there. It's an incredible, magnificent place overlooking the Bosphorus, Jimmy. It's a very <laughs> large place. Thousands of people work there. It all started up in 1459 by Sultan Mehmet I. The, c- the name comes from two cannons, which used to be in front of the first gate, Jimmy. Right. Top means... That's sorry. ball, isn't it, the top? <laughs> top means cannon. It like also means ball. ball as well, doesn't it? <laughs> Cannonball. <laughs> in Turkish, yeah. And kapı... <laughs> Kapi means gate. Top. Ball game. Yeah. Oh, it's full of lovely gardens, courtyards, lots of walls. And a lot of the work by the government happened there way back in the day. All the three buildings have collections in them now. Collections of clothes, clocks, weapons, and porcelain. In the third courtyard where the jewels are kept 
you can see the Spoonmaker's Diamond, Jimmy, which is the fifth largest diamond in the world. I kid you not. But I love the the top couple dagger best. It has three enormous jewels on it. And underneath one of the jewels, Jimster, is a watch. Absolutely stunning. Also the library, just wow, what can I say? Incredible library. Uh, I must see for anybody traveling to Istanbul, 20 minutes, Jimmy, from where we are recording the podcast in the James yes. Joyce. I, I, I don't even know where it is at all. I can't think where it is. Beşiktaş. Right. Oh, is it the one on the waterfront? Yes, on oh, the then right. I've been. I thought it as was as you walk down the hill, yeah. <laughs> yes, I've been. And it's just about five minutes from the Beşiktaş Stadium. Yeah, right. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I do know where it is. I thought it was somewhere near Sultan Ahmed. Okay. Any Turkish listeners, especially expats who have never visited the Top Capit Palace, it's a must see. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? Now I know where you're talking about. <laughs> it's confusing sometimes in Turkey because you see, in Istanbul, you see signs for Top Capit Palace near Sultan Ahmed. You find there are two different places called Anavutkoy, and they're in the same city. It's really, really unusual. Anyway, so that made you happy, did it, Ray? It made me gorgeously, deliriously happy, Jenster. Okay. <laughs> I'm easy to please, pal. Yeah, you are indeed. Okay, that's brilliant. Next month, we are going to start a new feature called Inside and Out in Istanbul, where we will have Lisa Morrow, a published writer on Turkey and Istanbul, uh, telling us just mm-hmm. a few fun facts about the, the city and the country. And I think that'll be really good. And we're going to have her on, I think, in January as well for an interview. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, it'd be good. Way, good. way past time. Yeah, yeah. Black Milkshake, best posts of the week. Post of the Month Shakers come from Stephanie Egan. For English language lovers, what's the difference between completed and finished? No dictionary has ever been able to define the difference between complete and finished. But in a linguistic conference in England, Sun Sherman, an Indian American, was a clear winner. His response, when you marry the right woman, you are complete. If you marry the wrong woman, you are finished. And when the right, <laughs> and when the right woman catches up with the wrong woman, you are completely finished. His answer received a five-minute standing ovation pass. <laughs> That's a good one, that one. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end. Uh, So just a reminder, please, to keep sending in your posts to Black Milkshake on Facebook. And also, if you can, can you join us, please, on Black Milkshake Comedy Pubcast, also on Facebook. We'd also massively appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, or tell a friend to listen to us. And many thanks to Christina McMahon, Tom Godfrey, Prattle and Cod, Zippy and Orville. And the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology, James Joyce Irish Pub. And, of course, special thanks to Uncle Eamon McAndrew. And as always, listeners, happy days, blue skies and good skills. The podcast was brought to you by Black Milkshake and was presented by Ray Mack and Yorma Kirko. It was produced and engineered by James Kerr. No animals or copyright were knowingly violated during the making of this broadcast. Black Milkshake 2022.